This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Diki here once again with Zach Rizzuto. This is a mailbag episode, so we're going to be talking about all of your questions, answering all of your questions that you had. Uh, thank you so much for submitting all those questions uh, You know, on my Instagram stories. Appreciate everybody. Uh, if you haven't listened to Tuesday's episode, we talked about draft strategy. Uh, we talked about you know all the different type of strategies that 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 you know that exist, kind of going into your fantasy football drafts. And you know we talk about our favorites. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff, some some draft tips as well. So make sure you check out that episode after you listen to this one. So in this episode, we'll be answering your questions. But first, let's get into the rapid recap. Zach, what do you got? So in some of the most exciting news, probably for you, Faraz, Kyle Shanahan confirmed that Trey Lance will be the 49ers starting quarterback for 2022. With Lance locked in as a starter, how do you view his prospects for fantasy football, as well as the rest of the players on the Niners offense as a whole? And, you know, you guys have known that I've had Lance locked in the top 12 fantasy quarterbacks this entire offseason, right? Like this was something that was pretty expected. Uh, and the reason why he's in my top 10 is because he has Cal Shanahan as his head coach, right, who's going to now revolve the offense around him. Uh, last year, that passing offense was one that revolved around Jimmy G, right? Like when when uh, Trey came in for those couple games, like it's not like they just completely changed the offense for Trey Lance, right? And now they're going to install that offense going into the season. It's going to be night and day. So it's going to be an offense that is revolved around Trey Lance's ability to run. Uh, his ability to make plays down the field, it's going to be completely different. Um, you know, think RG3 during his rookie year in Washington, right? Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator, and that's how he dialed up the offense. So, you know, Trey Lance isn't the prospect that RG3 was, but he has the potential, you know, to put up 800 rushing yards, uh, you know, and he has the weapons, right? Like, he has George Kittle, he has Debo Samuel, he has Brandon Ayuk, uh, he has a solid offensive line. Uh, he's going to get goal line looks, right? He's a big guy. He's set up for success this year. So, you know, in terms of like how his weapons will do this year, uh, you know, we'll see who he locks onto in camp. You know, we haven't seen much of him last year. So the rapport, 
you know, hasn't necessarily been built with anyone just yet. You know, we saw some nice passes to Ayuk. We saw some nice passes to Debo. We haven't really seen much to, to Kittle. You know, only four targets to Kittle last year. Um, but, you know, we have to keep in mind that this was a run-first team last year, right? And, and with Lance under center, you know, it's going to be even more run-heavy. So with three legit weapons in the pass game, we might not see a ton of consistency there from any of them, right? Um, now, right. you'd have to think that Debo and Kittle – they eat first, right, followed by Ayuk, but you never know, right? Ayuk is a good receiver, and, you know, that target share between three, these three guys can potentially level out, you know, a bit closer, you know, to these guys, to the, to the, to the top guys than we think, right? So, so we'll see, uh, but I'm looking forward to see how, how training camp uh, works out and if, if any of these guys actually stand out. Right, and... I, I understand your hype around Trey Lance completely. He has all the tools to succeed in both the NFL in general and fantasy football. He's the fantasy football darling of a lot of people, including you. Makes total sense. I'm with you there, Faraz. I think his ceiling is very high because of his rushing ability, which was evidence in the three games where he played a majority of the snaps. But I think he also has a decently low floor. And I, I know a lot of people might be mad at me for that. But I look at it as his passing was not pristine by any stretch of the word. Unless he takes a big step forward in the past game, I'm not quite sure he'll be able to unlock that league-winning production that people are drafting him for. I think if he stays where he was kind of last year and just has the rushing upside, I think a top-12 finish is very much in the cards. He, he can reach that. But um, th- it's, there's bound to be growing pains for this guy coming in the, in the offense. You know, He's still very much a rookie. He only played, I think, like I said, three games he played the majority of the snaps. So he's... He doesn't even have a full season under his belt. I, I'm considering him a rookie. There will be growing pains. I think that he'll have to take a step forward in a passing game, which he ultimately will. But I, I'm looking at more of a top 10, 12 finish. I mean, we saw his rushing. I believe in that. But I, I think that the passing game is going to have to go along with it for him to reach that league-winning upside. He could be held back by meager showings through the air a couple weeks this year. Yeah, I can totally see that happening. Um, you know, his his like the thing was is in the past game, I, I can see them kind of switching up their scheme a little bit to kind of favor him, right? <laughs> kind of make things a little bit easier for him. You know, dumb down the playbook a little bit. Um, but but we'll see. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, man. He's he's an exciting player, um, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do in this system that you know will be tailored for him. Right. So some more. Buccaneers news coming out of camp. A couple notes here. Julio Jones is signing with the Buccaneers on a one-year deal for 2022, joining the ranks of Mike Evans, Russell Gage, and potentially even Chris Godwin. We're not sure when he's going to come back. They're obviously hopeful that he'll be back for week one. Uh, We'll talk more about that later. Leonard Fournette is also reportedly back down to 245 pounds. Seems to be a non-issue. Previous report was 260 or a little bit short of 260. We talked about that a couple episodes ago, and it seems like he's getting it back under control, so that's good. But dipping back into the 49ers well, Kyle Shanahan talked up Trey Sermon a bit, and there have been reports circulating that the Niners might feature more of a committee at running back this season. How are you handling the 49ers' backfield for 2022? So, yeah, like Shanahan talking up Trey Sermon uh, isn't great for Elijah Mitchell, right? Like there was another report talking about this being more of a committee approach this year as well. So, like, we were, I was already kind of assuming that third round pick Tyrion Davis Price was going to be involved potentially at the goal line, right? That's a role that Elijah Mitchell had last year. Um, and, and I think, so if you look at, let's, let's look at the best case scenario here is that it's the Elijah Mitchell show, right? But right. I don't think that's likely, considering that there's 
two third round picks at running back from each of the last two drafts, you know, sitting on that roster, right? Like I'm less worried about Sermon than Davis Price, considering that, you know, Sermon didn't do anything last year. Um, but Shanahan is now saying that like if Shanahan's telling the truth and he's saying that he's much improved, then this can be a situation to avoid. Um, Mitchell also really, you know, he wasn't really involved in the pass game last year. So I'm not sure what his upside is going to look like this year. Uh, I'm not sure if it's too high. So he's going, I think he's going in what, the sixth round right now, if I'm not mistaken. That could obviously drop after these reports. Um, so <laughs> there's going to be a spot where you're like, all right, you know what, I'll grab Mitchell. He's probably going to be their primary back in a Kyle Shanahan scheme, good offensive line, all of that, you know, with a rushing quarterback, probably will be, will, you know, allow Mitchell to be even more efficient. Um, so, because you remember, like, if you, you know, I can't, I can't mention RG3 and not, you know, think about, uh, who was it? Uh, Alfred Morris. Alfred Morris, exactly. Um, you know, and how well he did last year, that year in RG3's rookie year. So, um, but at the same time, like Alpha Morris was their goal line back, <laughs> you know, so it's right, like, it's a little right. different, um, you know, so there might be a sweet spot where I'm taking Mitchell, but I'm just not sure that I'm going to be, you know, dipping my toes in this backfield too much this year. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I know we talked uh, a few episodes again about Elijah Mitchell being a potential, you know, zero RB target at, because his ADP is just floating so low. And I did like him where he's at right now. It could go lower. But the fact that you're right, they do have Trey Sermon. And if Kyle Shanahan was talking up Trey Sermon a bit, that kind of has me thinking that it might be more of a committee than I originally anticipated. Now, Mitchell could be as efficient as he wants. But if he's only getting 50% of the snaps or even less, because I think they didn't draft Tyrion Davis-Price to just have him sit on the bench, I don't think. Right. He could be as efficient as he wants, but if the volume isn't there, you know, he's just not going to be producing week in, week out enough to be worth a pick. I think that this does become an avoid uh, situation for this backfield, especially with Trey Lance. He's a running quarterback. I think they'll tailor the offense, like you said, to him a little bit more. They'll get him on the move. There'll be more design runs. There'll be more improvised scrambles by him, I think. I think they're going to feature Trey Lance, let him take the reins, take control, and do what he needs to do to make plays. And I think that's a smart way to go about it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that means Elijah Mitchell is kind of on the butt end of it. He might not be as productive as we saw last season. He, I, I like him as a talent. I think he's a good runner. Um, but I, I just, for fantasy football purposes, I, I'm avoiding this because he's, he, you're right. He doesn't have the pass catching upside. And I don't really anticipate a whole lot of that for any of these backs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then in other news, Chris Carson set to retire from the NFL after five seasons with the Seahawks as a result of a neck injury. We kind of anticipated this. We've been ranking both Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker under the assumption that this was going to happen. And now it has. As a quick question, just, you know, quick heading. Do you expect there to be much movement in Rashad Penny's ADP in the coming weeks? You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't think so. But, you know, it, it's it's surprising to me how many questions I got about this situation. Um, you know, this was, like you said, like we kind of knew this was going to happen. Like we were already projecting this backfield, you know, like Carson wasn't going to be involved because of that neck injury. Um by the way, I'm wishing I'm wishing the best for the guy. Absolutely, like, right. I'm hoping like like neck issues neck issues are so tricky, just like in general. So I'm hoping that this isn't like an issue in real life. Um, I hope it's just like a football thing where it just limits him in mm -hmm. football, <laughs> you know, not in like actual like life stuff. Um, but like you know, I, I I can see there being a little movement on his ADP. I hope not, 
because like I where his price is right now, it's fine. It's not like you know you have to grab like in a zero RB build. I can I understand grabbing Rashad Penny, um, but you know this isn't going to be a good offense. Like if it does move up at all, like I'm I'm out. You know um, I understand why he did his thing last year. Russell Wilson was there. It was a better offense, but this year, you know. I hope that ADP doesn't rise because it shouldn't because Chris Carson wasn't going to be involved in the first place. Right. I'm with you there. I think that Rashad Penny kind of had that, you know, baked in. We knew that Chris Carson was a good play. That was reflected. We didn't have Chris Carson ranked anywhere. And I don't think the ADP, I think he was in, he wasn't even in the range of Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker. So this was kind of, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time coming, but it finally happened. Um, obviously yeah, wish the best for Chris Carson. Hope he's good. Um, but as far as Rashad Penny goes, I don't want to see his ADP go any higher because, you know, if I'm a zero running back guy, which I am, I, I want to get him as cheap as I can. Uh, I'm not saying I would still, I, I'm not saying I would avoid him if his ADP went a little higher, but it would just kind of be like, oh, you know, taking a little extra uh, draft capital to get him. It, it would just make it a little bit more uncomfortable than I would be taking him. What's he going at? Like the eighth or ninth round right now? I, I'd be happy taking him there. Right. Yeah. So. After reportedly dealing with issues regarding conditioning early in camp, Traylon Burke seems to be ready to go, pass that obstacle heading into 2022. So how are you handling the Titans wide receiver situation? We know Robert Woods is still there. He, he got there and he's coming back from his ACL injury. And now Traylon Burks is there. How are you going about, going about dealing with this wide receiver situation? Well, first of all, this is good news, right? Finally, some positivity right. around Traylon Burks, right? It's been all nothing but negativity as soon as he got drafted, right? Because Titans replaced, you know, Adrian Green in his contract with Traylon Burks. And, you know, at this point, like, you know, where he's going, like, he's going, I think, in the eighth round right now. Uh, you know, I'm not sure he's my eighth round pick every single time, but you got to take shots on him, right? Like, he has monster opportunity in front of him right now. Um, I'm hoping that he can take advantage of it because he's a, a he's an electric player when you watch him, right? You know, he wasn't my like top, he wasn't in my like top three or top four wide receivers uh, in this draft class. He was like, I think he was fifth or something like that. But listen, like he has serious upside if that's what you're looking for at that point of your draft. Like if you got, if you already drafted like you know four or five wide receivers or maybe four wide receivers and they're like super solid, why not shoot for the upside, right? And get Traylon Burks like. If you look at Robert Woods, right, I don't look at Robert Woods as being somebody who has massive upside. I look at him as somebody who's going to beat his ADP, right? right? Uh, not necessarily a league winner. Like, he's somebody that you can draft in, in the later rounds, and then like, oh, I can use him. He's a flex. Maybe a wide receiver three. But, you know, Traylon Burks has higher upside than that, right? Because if they're, it's possible that they tailor their pass game around him it, 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 because they don't have anybody else. They have Robert Woods. You know, they have Austin Hooper. Mm -hmm. And that's about it, right? They're going to have to do something in the pass game because they can't just have defenses just tee off on Derrick Henry, right? And just have this box loaded every single... I mean, they're going to have the box loaded, but like they have to do something to kind of avoid that as much as possible. So I would take shots on, on him. Like I said, he's not my eighth round pick every time. There are a couple of guys around that area that I, I, I'm, I'm cool taking, you know, over Burks, depending on what I need. But if you're shooting for upside, uh, I think Burks is, is a good pick there. Um, as a final note for our rapid recap... Yep. The Patriots head coach Bill Belichick noted that there's been dramatic improvement, quote unquote, in Mac Jones this offseason as well. It's just something to note. Do you think this is something that we should be heeding as, you know, suddenly he's going to take this jump into fantasy relevance? Or do you think this is just a thing where, you know what, he's a better game manager and we can expect to see maybe Jacoby Myers benefit from this the most? I mean, it's hard to, you know, extrapolate anything from this. This 
obviously you want to hear that Mac Jones is developing. That's good. But um, I'm not sure how much you could pull out of this. Do you, do you take anything out of this, you know, uh, fawning over him that Bill Belichick has done? <laughs> do you take anything out of that for fantasy? <laughs> it really was, man. Listen, like this was a love fest. Like, Bel- like Belichick, he he went on a, like a damn soliloquy about Mac Jones, man. Like a good five minutes straight about how good Jones is looking and how he prepares and how much better he is. Like he doesn't do that for anybody, right? Right. Um, the the, the question is, do they remain super run heavy, mm-hmm. right? Or like you said, like do they open up the offense a bit? Do they pass more? Uh, if they do, right, we might see some more fantasy relevance you know, out of this receiving core. You know, maybe Mac Jones can finally become streamworthy. You know, guys like Jacoby Myers, you know, kind of takes a step forward. Jacoby Myers, by the way, past two seasons, over 20% target share. That's a sticky number right there. Target share year over year is a sticky number for players, for wide receivers. So keep that in mind. Devontae Parker, you know, he could be relevant, you know, potentially maybe in wide receiver three. You never know while he's healthy, right? Um, even last year, Devontae Parker, when he was healthy, he was, you know, you kind of put him in your lineup and usually you got a good outcome. Um, but the offense, you know, needs to open up more for that to happen. So, you know, there, there was a change in offensive coordinator, right? Right. Um, that can, you know, so things can change. Maybe we see some more consistency out of Janu Smith. Maybe we see something out of Hunter Henry, see more out of him besides just being touchdown dependent. So, but for now, like the way I'm handling it, I think it's a wait and see type of thing. You know, you got to keep an eye on those tight ends on waivers in your league. Like Devontae Park is being drafted. Jacoby Myers is being drafted, right? This definitely, you know, makes me a little bit more excited about Jacoby Myers because I was drafting him uh, a lot in best ball, especially at his price. He's going really late. And for a guy who's getting 20% target share uh, and for someone who is definitely due for a positive regression in the touchdown department... I think that, you know, if Mac Jones is truly going to take a step forward, then yeah, I think Jacoby Myers could actually surprise and, and you know, really, really outbeat, you know, out, out beat his, beat his ADP. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited now that I have like a, a, a solid amount of shares of him in, in, on underdog, in underdog best ball. All right. So now we're going to move into the mailbags uh, section of our podcast. We're going to be answering your questions and we're going to jump right into it with a question from Christopher underscore Curry, who's asking, would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford for this year? Now, this one's a little open ended. It it is, but I I think it's actually closer than we think it might be. Um, You know, Kevin O'Connell coming from Sean McVay's system, right, to run this offense. Uh, I think things are going to be drastically different compared to how Mike Zimmer was running things, right? Uh, this offense is going to go from a run-first team mentality, philosophy-wise, to a pass-first team, right? It's going to go from primarily 12 and 21 personnel offense to an 11 personnel offense, right? So meaning more wide receivers on the field as their base offensive set. Uh, so more of this offense is going to depend on Kirk Cousins. So I think he can possibly have his best fantasy season, potentially, this year. Now, with all that being said, though, I still rather have Stafford. Uh, you know, he's in the actual like Sean McVay right. system. Like we're projecting that Kevin O'Connell is going to do what Sean McVay did in in Minnesota. Like it doesn't always happen that way, but you know, at least like Stafford's in the original system, yeah. right? So he's already shown that he can flourish in that system last year. You know, uh, it was only his first year, uh, and his weapons improved. I think with adding Allen Robinson, and he already threw forty one touchdowns last year, right? So. I'm going to go Stafford, you know, 
I think neither of these guys are going to be running the ball a ton. They're both like pocket passers. You know, I'm not sure if Adam Thielen is going to, you know, potentially stay healthy all year. So, you know, there are a couple of couple question marks there, but Stafford did it already going to his second year in this system. I think that he has a lot of support there. So I think I'm going Stafford. Right. That makes sense. So what this boils down to for me is it's a choice between two very high end QB two options that can be serviceable QB one on teams that waste that wait till later to draft a quarterback. Ultimately, I prefer Stafford, like you said, over Cousins. Um, I like them both in two QB because they're both solid, relatively cheap options that you can complement a high end QB one starter with. Like I said, they're serviceable serviceable as QB1s if you need to in a 1QB if you want to wait till later to take one. If it came down to choosing who I would rather have, I said Matthew Stafford. Uh, He's on an excellent offense, like you said. He's in the Sean McVay system. We saw him play there, and he's very good. It says the, uh, the Rams offense is as close as you can get to guaranteed to be good. So he's going around earlier than Kirk Cousins, so I wouldn't necessarily be reaching for Stafford if I'm confident that, you know, Kirk Cousins might be there around later. If I want to, you know, prioritize other positions, um, I think Stafford has a higher ceiling than Kirk Cousins, but Cousins has a really comfortable floor, and that's baked into his price in the tenth round. Like I said, I kind of com- compare Kirk Cousins to Brandon Cooks. He's like, you know, the Brandon Cooks of quarterbacks. It's just the name. Nobody, it's not a sexy pick, but he's a good pick. You know, he'll give you the twenty points every week, and if it, he'll have his off weeks, but I, I think that he's a really good option if you're, you know desperate for a quarterback i'd rather have stafford though here um even though he is going around earlier all right so our next question comes from duke silver 25 who we actually got a question from i think two mailbag episodes ago so good job duke silver giving us some good questions for our podcast are darren waller and george kittle steals in the fifth round this year i think they are um, you know, if you want a potential top two or top three tight end. I think these guys definitely have that potential. Now, I'm not dying to grab either of them, right? But I think at that value, like for the upside they present, they shouldn't be going that low. I think they should be going maybe half a round higher, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, now, I understand Waller has serious target competition, but he was hurt most of last year, right? The, this offense is going to be pass first, right, with the weapons that they have you know, with Josh McDaniels coming in. Um, So, you know, I think Waller won't be able to get away. Um, You know, like last year, like a lot of defense were trying to take him away, right? And I don't think this year they're going to be able to do Mm -hmm. that, right? Like he was their most explosive weapon. Like, listen, (laughs) I love Hunter Renfro, but he wasn't as explosive as Darren Waller. Like their number one wide receiver was actually Darren Waller. It just so happened that Hunter Renfro got a lot of targets, right? Um, But, you know, now that they have Devontae, defenses have to key in on him. Right. Right. And Waller can potentially be a lot more efficient. And I think both Waller and Kittle can be have the ability to be very efficient on the looks that they do get. Like Kittle is the master of efficiency at the tight end position. Right. So I I think we got to assume that Trey Lance depends on Kittle, like just given how good he is. Right. He's probably top two or top three at the position. So not using Kittle would be a travesty. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like for 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 him. So. So for the fifth round, I think I'd rather have Kittle, uh, but both guys are solid at that price, uh, given the you know positional advantage you could potentially get with either of them. Right. I wouldn't go so far as to call either of them steals, 
seeing primarily that tight ends typically score much fewer points than the wide receivers, running backs, and quarterbacks going in that same range. And this is just me. You'll probably hear different opinions around the horn regarding when to draft tight ends. But my philosophy is to wait on tight ends. And that's because the talent coming off the board at the same time is much more appealing to me. And that's it. If Darren Waller and George Kittle are available in the fifth round, we're going to assume that other guys could be on the board, including Lamar Jackson, Brandon Cooks, Rashad Bateman, or Kyler Murray. I'm personally much more inclined to take a guy who could finish as a QB5 in Kyler Murray and score me 300 points on the year than a guy like George Kittle, you know, take him in the fifth round. He finished as a tight end four last year, but he scored just 198 fantasy points. Now, I'm not saying he's going to have an off year like that again, but tight ends, you know, you can go for a positional advantage over tight ends, but ultimately you can negate a tight end. Like to finish as a tight end five, you don't have to score that many points. To finish as a QB five, you do. I can receive comparable production to George Kittle on a weekly basis from a tight end taking a 10th round. Like, I can shoot upside with Irv Smith, something like that. Um, but I'm not sure Trevor Lawrence, James Winston, or Tua Tagovailoa. I don't think any of them can really give me comparable production and replicate what a guy like Kyler Murray can do. They're all going in the 10th round. I just look at it from that standpoint. I don't think any tight end is really a steal, quote-unquote, in the 5th round. I think they're solid. I think that the ADP is, you know, it's, it's accurate. It, it, evalu- it assesses them. It gives them the value that they're supposed to have. But I wouldn't call them steals. I think that it's just, you know, if they're there and you want to shoot for a positional advantage, that, that's all you. But personally, I would not. Yeah, no, I hear you on that one. I, I think Stafford, like, you know, guys like Kirk Cousins, guys like Matthew Stafford, guys like Dak Prescott, guys like Russell Wilson, guys like Trey Lance, I think those guys, like the, you know, like the bottom of the QB ones mm-hmm. here, I think they're they are more likely to reach the level of a guy like, you know, maybe Colin Murray, Jalen Hurts. Now, I think those two guys have way higher upside, mm-hmm. right? But I think the in terms of like what the positional advantage is compared to at the quarterback position compared to the potential that guys like George Kittle or Darren Waller have, specifically George Kittle. That potential to have to be a real differentiator at the tight end position can mean a lot. So, if I'm taking a guy, you know, like Irv Smith, for example, later on, I don't think he has the upside to be like a top three tight end, and that that's the only type of tight end that I want. You know, unless I completely punt the position, and you know, I end up taking a guy like Albert O or David Njoku, like at the end of drafts, nice. right? Um, you know, the guys that, and if I am if I am going to skip out on guys like Darren Waller and George Kittle I'm gonna I am gonna draft guys who can potentially finish top two or top three like like Dallas Goddard for example right like that dude like he's extremely talented right like the offensive situation and the target share can be a little bit of a question there but he is so talented that he could potentially leap into that top two or top three those those are the only type of tight ends that I really want because I realize that the, those guys can like win you weeks just because of the fact that a lot of times you're going to be going up against tight ends who, you know, are going to not, you know, maybe only give you 10 points with a touchdown, right. you know? So that's not good enough at the position. Um, if you have a tight end who's going to give you 20, like Kittle and Waller are capable of, you know, on a weekly basis, then they're going to give you a huge advantage. Um, just like when you compare and just to get into the positional advantage real quick, when you compare your RB1 to the next guy's RB1 and you compare your RB2 to the next guy's RB2 and you do the same thing for wide receivers, you're going to notice that 
if depending on the positional advantage, you're gonna. Ha- <laughs> that's how you kind of determine your wins and losses. Um, in you know, in in in, in any given week. Um, and at the quarterback position. You know, like those rushing quarterbacks in the fifth round, like I'm all about it. Like I, I love taking Kyler in the fifth or even the sixth sometimes. I love taking Lamar in the fifth. Right. I love taking Jalen Hurts in the sixth. Uh, you know, those guys are have tremendous upside and they have the ability to finish as the overall QB1, which is why I like taking those guys there. But I also like taking the Titans there as well. Like the, the wide receivers that you mentioned, uh, I think – you know, they don't have the – I don't think they have the ability to have this huge positional advantage. So that's kind of the reason why I would prefer to go either with these quarterbacks or these tight ends, uh, you know, at that spot. Uh, now, if there's a wide receiver that I think that could take a huge leap and potentially have this huge positional advantage, have wide receiver one upside, then yeah, I think I think that would make sense uh, for me. But, you know, in terms of – you know, I'm a big positional advantage yeah. guy. Like, I like to 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 kind of you know understand that. Okay, is this is this person that I'm drafting? This player that I'm drafting right now? Are they? Can they potentially give me a huge advantage over my peers? That's kind of that's kind of how I how I view it for the most part. Right, and, and there's nothing wrong with that strategy. I, I understand where you're coming from with that, but for me, like I said, there's just not there's like there's Travis Kelsey, there's Mark Andrews, there's maybe Kyle Pitts and George Kittle. If you're in like a 12-man league, I view that as likely they're all going to land on different teams. And then you'll be playing them and, you know, they might have a positional advantage over you at tight end. But I'm not too worried about that because tight ends, I mean, rarely. I mean, we've seen George Kittle do it once or twice. We've seen Travis Kelsey do it. And we've seen Mark Andrews do it just last year where they score like 30 points. You know, that's good for them. I'm okay losing one week to a guy over a tight end if the rest of my you know, team is going to beat every other team that doesn't have those tight ends because there's only so many of them to go around. That's why I don't really place a heavy emphasis on tight ends because once you get past the big three or four, like all the tight ends have like very similar production. I mean, I I did a post on that a while ago when I was, you know, running my own page and it's not, it's not even, it's not even funny just looking at it because there's about a 20 or 30 point difference between the tight end five and like the tight end 15. So it's just like, I mean, that was granted that was in 2020, but um, I, I've just never been one to, you know, key in on tight ends. I understand where you come from with what you're saying, but me personally, I would go with a higher end QB in that, in that spot than, you know, a tight end. So our next question comes from D green underscore 18. And he's asking, and this is what we alluded to earlier. What do we do with Russell Gage? Now that Julio Jones is in town in Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I, I think let's kind of review like this entire situation with this Julio Jones thing. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big move for them. Uh, but, you know, he is – Julio is 33 years old, right? And, like, while I don't think he is going to make this huge fantasy impact, I think it does impact who's on the field, right? Like, he's going to be fantasy relevant, though. Like, I think he's going to be on rosters, right, like for the most part. Um, I, I kind of look at it like – AJ Green last year, right when he was like a flex option during some stretches, right. like a similar situation. That's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I, I don't think this negatively affects Mike Evans at all. Like Julio isn't coming in demanding targets, right? Like Evans is still going to do his thing, and I'm hoping that his ADP falls just a bit because of this. Like I'm buying all, that all day long. Um, now I do think this impacts Russell Russell Gage's year. Um, I, this team is going to play primarily eleven personnel, right? Like. It, now, if Chris Godwin misses time, 
I see the formation looking like Julio and Mike Evans on the outside with Russell Gage in the slot. Right. So great. Like I'll start Gage as a wide receiver three during those weeks that Godwin's out. Now, when Godwin is back, right, and if Julio's healthy, I think the best that we see is a rotation between Julio and Gage, right? Or a rotation between Godwin, Gage, and Julio, you know, depending on if the Bucks want to limit his snaps just a bit to start, you know, when he's back. Um, but if Julio stays healthy, and when Godwin gets right, Russell Gage is going to be pretty iffy for fantasy because he might not see that, like, near full route participation that he was going to see, you know, if Julio just simply wasn't on this team, right? He'll be, you know, on the field on, for right. every play. So, you know, not only that, like, you see Russell Gage's ADP, like, it really skyrocketed, you know, over the past month or so. Like, he was going off the board as the wide receiver 34 in the sixth round right now. Like, and, and while that's fine, like, that's still a little high for me. Like, even, like, with or without Julio. Mm. Like, if he falls to wide receiver 40 or lower, maybe in the seventh or eighth, like, cool. I'll, I'll still take shots on him, right? Because who knows with Julio, right? Like, look at Julio last year, right? He was barely right. on the field, right? So... So, yeah, like, I'm not, like, overstating this for, like, either Godwin or Mike Evans. But, and by the way, Godwin, like, he's cleared to practice right now in camp. So, we'll see how far he goes. I'm not sure how much he'll practice, but, like, that's very interesting to me. Um, That, you know, if he's practicing now, like, if he's now in the pup, like, what does that mean for week one? They're still reporting that it's not guaranteed that he'll play week one. uh, But he could play week three, week four, right? right? It might not be too long that that he takes to get on the field. So... I'm cooling off on Russell Gage a little bit, you know. And by the way, I just want to mention too, like real quick, that Kyle Rudolph also joined mm-hmm. this team. Um, and so, like, if you're wondering, like, which tight end is the one to have in Tampa, I think the answer is like none of them. Like, they just might take away too much yeah. from each other. Um, so, I just want to throw that out there while I'm talking about the Bucks. Yep. No, that makes sense. I think that Julio Jones was a flashy signing, but I don't anticipate his time in Tampa Bay being terribly noteworthy like you compared him to aj green i think it might be a little bit even less than aj green impact could he finally win a super bowl with the buccaneers maybe but his fantasy impact i don't think will be felt hardly at all we saw him play in tennessee last year and he just isn't the same as what he used to be during his time with the falcons and with mike evans chris godwin and russell cage around i don't see him really eclipsing more than 10 fantasy points very often at the end of the day i think this signing is just julio hopping around on contending teams just trying to win a ring my expectations for the Bucks wide receivers stay largely the same. If anybody, though, is going to have their workload cut into, it would be Russell Gage. And I think you're 100% on the mark with what you said. You said Russell Gage could see his snaps kind of cut. And that could push his ADP down a little bit. I don't know if Julio Jones really should be taking snaps from Russell Gage. I think we saw Russell Gage at his best last year. And I think that he could be even better with Tom Brady at quarterback. I don't think that Julio Jones has the uh, skill set, you know, really right now. He has it, but, you know, he's just he's not as quick as he used to be. He's, he, he, he's just not the same. So I don't know if he's really worth taking Russell Gage off the field from the slot, especially if Tom Brady and him build a rapport, but, I mean, between Russell Gage and Tom Brady. Like, I don't think it would be really worth taking him off the field. It would be infuriating if they did. This could definitely knock down his ADP. Um, if it does go down, I'm watching it. It would have to go down pretty significantly for me to, you know, Suddenly, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to take targets. But like you said, Kyle Rudolph just joined the team too. And you have a bunch of guys on this offense that can get a bunch of targets. You look at Mike Evans. You look at Chris Godwin. You look at Russell Gage. You look at Rashad White even. Leonard Fournette has proven he can catch the ball. Now Kyle Rudolph is there, and they have Cameron Brate. Tom Brady, you know, he throws a lot. I think they threw it the most, I think, 
They're second most. I'm not sure. It might have been behind Ben Roethlisberger. They throw the ball a lot, for, especially with Tom Brady being 45 years old. But there's only so many you know, receptions to go around, so many targets to go around, and that I think that this could definitely become just an issue for anyone not named Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, right now Chris Godwin's going off the board as a wide receiver 30 uh, in the sixth round. Um, and I think that the fact that he's practicing right now I might be drafting right, him. Right, that, that's true. <laughs> I might be drafting him a bit, you know, like, you know, and I think, you know, we, a lot of us thought that he might not play, like, until October, you know, or maybe until even later than that. So, listen, if he stays at that price, like, it might be a little bit of a value right. there. So, our next question comes from Rumber.Noah, and he's asking, Kareem Hunt or Chase Edmonds in half PPR leagues? This is close, dude. And I think they're going like back to back in in drafts. Um and I I think I'm gonna go Chase Edmonds here. Of course. <laughs> so of course, you know, it's it was close though, man. I I I was finding myself like making an argument for both of these guys. You know, it, it's that close, right? Um okay, so Chase Edmonds, he's gonna be the Dolphins starting running back. Okay. Kareem Hunt is not the Browns' starting running back. So so give me the outside zone run scheme of the Dolphins, right? The thing with Kareem Hunt is that there are rumors that he can be traded, right? And if that happens, he can end up in, like, a great situation and be a fantasy RB1 somewhere. So, like, if that's what you're shooting for, I get it. Like, I don't think there's a world where Chase Evans is, like, an RB1, okay? Uh, because the only, only way he's an RB1 is if, like, you know, Sonny Michel gets hurt. And they have no one to take those goal line carries, and they give those goal line carries to like this small dude, right? Like, and even that is like kind of right. a crapshoot, right? Um, but you know, on the Browns, like where it's a true split between Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, you know, with Deshaun Watson missing some games, like I think I'd rather just get the guy I know I can start, who is more likely to get fifteen to eighteen touches per game, and is going to be very involved in the passing game. So you know, and you look at Deshaun Watson's career, like is he going to check it down? The way that Baker Mayfield did, like, I doubt it. Like, he never has, right, uh, his entire career. Even when he had great pass catchers coming out of the backfield. So, are they going to be as run-heavy with Deshaun? Like, not sure about that either. So, I think people are sleeping on Edmonds at his price. Um, I think they signed him for a reason. You know, they, they, they went out and got him. And I think that he's in a situation where, you know, there are other running backs there. But I'm targeting this ambiguous backfield pretty heavily. Uh, just because of the of the price, and I think that Evans is gonna, you know, get enough touches to to make him, uh, you know, a potentially like every week PPR RB two. Right. So for me, the half PPR caveat to this question makes this one tough, and I knew you would go with Chase Edmonds. It does make it tough. You, you, yeah. I knew you'd go with Chase Edmonds. So because both of these guys are going to make their living catching passes more than toting the rock, I lean towards Kareem Hunt. Believe it or not. I don't anticipate Chase Edmonds dominating Snapshare. I know, despite your confidence in him for us. I know you're a big fan of him. But I do know that Kareem Hunt will have his opportunity, like always, in the Browns' offense. And I don't really hold it against Kareem Hunt that he's working opposite Nick Chubb. I think he's produced even with Nick Chubb there, and he's shown that. And I think he was actually, like I said, I always go back to the stat with Kareem Hunt. The last year, he was an RB1 uh, prior to going down with an injury. Uh, it was the first five or six weeks. He had two games over... 25 points even though Nick Chubb was obviously still starting um I hope to God I'm not picking between these two as my RB1 in any format for fantasy this year doesn't matter 
Um, I'm going to assume I'm picking one of these guys as my RB2, and I'd go with Kareem Hunt. He's talented, and he's even though he's a 1B to Nick Chubb's 1A, he's the guy getting the targets versus Nick Chubb getting the carries. And the targets, as we know, we talked about this a bunch of times too, are much, much more valuable than carries. Hunt's productive even with Chubb on the offense. I can't say I saw the same thing for Chase Edmonds while Connor, James Connor, was on the field last year. So I, I'm looking at as in a pinch, who am I more comfortable? you know, starting Chase Evans, you know, it looks good on paper. You like his situation, but I think he's going to be, you know, the receiving guy because Raheem Mostert's there. And he just said, you know, he was just cleared. And obviously everyone's excited for that. Um, Mike McDaniel's there and he's, he worked with Kareem Hunt when they were in San Francisco. I don't see how he doesn't get at least a decent chunk of the touches. And then Sony Michelle is there as their goal line hammer. I think that it's difficult to say that Chase Edmonds is going to have as many money touches as maybe Kareem Hunt might have. So I'm going Kareem Hunt here, even though it is half PPR. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, man. It's super close. You know, one thing, you know, I, I think this offense was really running back based, you know, uh, you know, on the Browns, you know, like they were targeting running backs. They were obviously, you know, running the ball a ton. And, you know, is that going to happen as much with Kareem Hunt, you know, with Deshaun Watson under center? I just, I just don't know. Um, the good thing about Kareem Hunt, honestly, is like if 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 Nick Chubb goes down, like you got yourself an RB one. Mm-hmm. I, I know he didn't absolutely kill it in his opportunity without Nick Chubb last year, but he is like it doesn't matter. Like he is going to get twenty plus touches. He is going to he's going to do well. I understand he didn't absolutely kill it in that in that opportunity that he got, but it, it's small sample size. <laughs> if you extrapolate that into like a, a larger sample, like he's going to absolutely kill it. Okay. He's that type of back. So from that perspective, and then also on top of that, you know, the fact that he could potentially get traded, you know, if that does happen and the Browns can get some compensation back for him, you got yourself a, a much more valuable running back right there. So I, I can see that being, you know, a couple of reasons why Kareem Hunt should be the pick here. Um, but I just like, you know, in, if I had to just say, like, okay, who has a better situation right now? I think, it's Chase, I think it's Chase Edmonds. But there are a bunch of factors that can happen that make Kareem Hunt a lot more valuable. Because if Nick Chubb does go down, you know, Kareem Hunt's going to get the goal line opportunities. He's going to be the, the guy on passing downs. He's going to be the guy on early downs uh, and potentially with Deshaun Watson. So, that seems like a much better situation to me. But, you know, Nick Chubb is there. So we'll see how it works out. But, yeah, it, it's, it's super close. Like, if I – let's say I did 100 best ball drafts and I'm definitely picking both of these guys, I'm probably picking Chase Edmonds like 65% of the time mm-hmm. in 65 drafts, and I'm probably picking like Kareem Hunt like 35 times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of – it's probably how, how I end up doing it. Or maybe like even 60, 40, yeah. something like that. No, I, I know what you're saying. Um, I just keep – having you know you, you don't want to count on a guy being traded to milk out his fantasy value exactly of course to. not but um i just keep having flashbacks to his season with the chiefs you know before the whole scandal thing with him kicking people but uh, <laughs> you know yeah he was an excellent he was an excellent fantasy running back you know rb1 type stuff it was awesome so he we know that he has it in him and he doesn't he hasn't, you know, taken a ton of carries. He hasn't had so many touches that you might think he's, like, worn out, like, you know, Zeke. But um, I like kind of having that in my back pocket with Kareem Hunt, that if he does get traded or someone does go down ahead of him, that he's going to be producing as an RB1. And that's kind of the same way you look at Tony Pollard. Exactly. I mean, I don't anticipate Tony Pollard being traded. 
but it's the same situation because they have the talent to be RB1 whenever they get the majority of the carries. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so true. for me, I, I like, I mean, he's one of the few, like I just said, about Tony Pollard being in the same group, uh, what's it called, handcuffs that have standalone value. Now, let me ask you a question. So who, who, who asked this question? This was from rumbert.noah. Okay. And you, you know, like we didn't help him at all, right? <laughs> like he has, he still has no well, idea. Well, well. Well, Who to pick got, here? You, you presented the case for Chase Edmonds. I presented the case for Kareem Hunt. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a hung jury. What no, no, no. You, you know why he's, you know, you know why he's confused because I'm also confused. Like, like you're, you're selling me on Kareem Hunt here, and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? Zach's right. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm listening to what you're saying about Chase Edmonds too. I've, so, been, I've been crapping all over Chase Edmonds this whole time. You know, I, I haven't been high on him, but you keep telling me all these things, and I'm just like, you know, I, I think it might work, but I'm still leaning Kareem Hunt. It, it, it can. I can. I I do like targeting ambiguous backfields when the prices mm. are low, because I I do like doing that, um, because sometimes it's a diamond in the rough there, right? You know, a lot of times, but yeah. but yeah. Anyway. So I hope you got something yeah. out of that. So, right? Sorry, no. <laughs> I mean, we we might not help you there, but you know, uh, you can decide now that we presented our cases. Exactly. Right, our final question for this episode comes from Ty forty four underscore G, and he's asking, where should I draft Alvin Kamara, and what are your thoughts on his situation? So he's being drafted as the RB15 right now in the third round. Uh, I'm okay with that price, you know, as long as James Conner is off the board. Right. <laughs> you know, I'd rather, like, I'm looking at the other guys there. I, I, I honestly, I think I'd rather have Kamara than ETN um, in that, that spot. And I think I'd rather have him than Z- over Zeke as well, for sure, over right. Zeke. Um, but, you know, there is a chance that Kamara isn't even suspended this year, right? Like, so that's another thing you kind of have in your back pocket if you do draft mm-hmm. Kamara. So you, you'll end up getting him at a massive value, right? Like, we're going to find out pretty soon. Uh, he has a court date set on August 1st, so that's just in a couple days. Uh, if that gets moved even further, who knows when the court date will be set for, and it's possible that they end up having a court date after this right. season, right? Because we're getting close. So... Now let's say I know that he's going to get suspended. Let's say I know he's going to get, you know, he's going to be out for six games. Let's say, then yeah, like he'll probably drop even further, and he'll become even more of a value. Uh, so it, it really depends on your style, you know, and whether you can think, whether you think you can hold off, you know, and replace, you know, some of that production, right? Because when he's back, he's going to be an RB one in a good offense. I think this is going to be a good offense this year. You know, he, he's going to be a big-time receiver out of the backfield. He's going to have a goal-line role. He's going to be the primary rusher. You know, and he's going to be fresh for you if he does get suspended in the first six games. You know, from, like, week, you know, eight, whatever on, you know, he's going to, like, do do his thing. So, and I'm assuming that he gets suspended at the start of the year, right? Uh, but, yeah, end of third round, I think I think that's a little bit of a sweet spot for me in 12-team leagues for a guy like Alvin Kamara. You know, I, I, you know, initially he was going where, like, I think he was going at the one-two turn, like right at the beginning of the second mm-hmm. round. Uh, you know, but that that has dropped, obviously. So I'm okay with this. Um, I, I I like sometimes I like grabbing these values because if you can scrape a few wins by, you know, in those first six weeks, uh, you, you're like three and three, and then you have Kamara coming back. Like, I would love that situation. Right. You know, I, I'm in agreement. I think. That his upside, it's kind of hard to kind of like just stay away from Alvin Kamara because we know what he is when he's on the field. And you're right. There have been reports going around that, that he might not actually be suspended, which would be awesome, you know, for fantasy because we'd, we'd love to see that happen. But there's always that like looming threat. I think this 
has the potential to devolve into an Ezekiel Elliott 2017 situation where oh we God. don't know That'd when it's happening, you know, and then it just shows up in the middle of the season out of nowhere and you have your RB1 for the year for the first five weeks and then he's gone suddenly for six six weeks and now you have to deal with that. It's much easier to deal with a suspension when you know it's coming. <laughs> I'm sure yes. a lot of fantasy managers got stuck. They had Zeke and they were enjoying his production for the first five weeks and now suddenly the carpet gets pulled out from under him and they're stuck trying to scramble and fix themselves up. They go two and four in those weeks, and suddenly now it's just a game of catch-up. I think that's kind of where I'm hesitant to go after Alvin Kamara. I wouldn't really draft him because of that unless he slid into like the mid to late fourth round. I think where he's going right now is still a little bit pricey because if he's missing six games, we see DeAndre Hopkins who's missing six games. We know that, and his ADP is much further back. Granted, he's a wide receiver, but we know what he is when he's on the field, and he was a good producer uh, when he was on the field, and he wasn't suspended. So I'm looking at this as, you know, the risk is absolutely there. The reward is absolutely there. But I think until there's a um, concrete, you know, decision on whether he's going to be suspended, how long or when it's going to happen, I'm reluctant to take him at the third-round ADP that he's going at. I think that, like you said, especially if James Conner's on the board, like – I wouldn't even think twice about Alvin Kamara because James Conner, like I said, and we've talked about this so many times, why he's floating so low right now, it it, it doesn't really make sense. It might be his name value. We saw, we saw um, what he did last year, and people just seem to kind of be throwing that by the wayside. So uh, I'm surprised that he's still there. I would absolutely go with James Conner if he's there over Alvin Kamara. But, and I don't even know if I'd draft Alvin Kamara, like I said, till the mid to late fourth round. And even then, I'd consider that generous. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. I mean, it's definitely a risky pick. You know, you have to make sure that you cover your cover your bases. I, I don't think the NFL is going to want to go through that Zeke situation right. again. I mean, that was a terrible look on their parts, on their part. Like it was really mm. bad, um, and it, nobody enjoyed that saga, uh, especially them. So I'm hoping that it gets resolved, or they say that okay, we're going to push it to yeah. next season. I, I think that that's, that's what they have to do because, I, I, as a Cowboys fan, I was very frustrated at that. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, yeah, I, I don't exactly, think they'll do that exactly. again, but it, right. it'll definitely help if they could just get that sorted out for us, please. I'm sure that's the first thing they're thinking about, fantasy managers and, you know, getting it in time for drafts. One hundred percent. All right, guys, uh, that was it. That was all of that. Were, that was all of our question. All of your questions. Um, you know, there was a bunch of questions we, we couldn't get to, obviously. Uh, but, you know, for time, we're going to cut it now. Thank you guys so much for. Uh, sending all of your questions to us. We're going to do another mailbag episode very shortly. Uh, make sure you check out all the other episodes that we did over the last couple of weeks. There's some good stuff in there. Prepare yourself for your drafts. Um, and yeah, we're going to keep this thing going. Um, for Zach, this is Faraz from Upper Hand Fantasy. We'll see you guys soon. Take it easy. See ya.